Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Hey, hey, my friends, I can barely believe that we are on a roll into the second week of February already, and I'm excited to share these stories with you this month. Our guiding quote for the Pathfinder series is, we must take time to define our own path. Too quickly, we can find the world defining it for us. I've got three incredible guests to share with you in this one episode today, and I cannot wait for you to hear from them. From fighting wildland fires with the U.S. Forest Service to putting out fires in the classroom, education was the last place that Rachel George thought she'd end up. It wasn't until a hard conversation with a base manager in Grangeville, Idaho, did Rachel realize she needed to put down her chainsaw and make a bigger impact on the world. Rachel is a member of the ASCD Emerging Leaders Class of 2015 and currently serves as the principal of Sandy Grade School in Oregon Trail School District. Over the past six years, Sandy Grade School has moved from being one of the lowest ranked elementary schools in the state of Oregon to performing in the top 20% of elementary schools. Sandy Grade School has been recognized by the International Center for Leadership and Education as a model school for closing the achievement gap. Prior to serving as an elementary principal, she was a middle school principal at an outstanding and two-time level five model show as recognized by the state of Oregon. Rachel specializes in curriculum development, instructional improvement, as well as working with at-risk students and closing the achievement gap. When someone asked Kate Barker how many children she has, she replies 500 plus two. As well as having two children of her own, Kate is currently the principal of Cherry Park Elementary in Portland, Oregon. She has been an educator for the past 29 years, all in the David Douglas School District, which is located in an urban setting. Kate has spent her career dedicated to supporting and learning from her community. She has been a fourth and fifth grade teacher and a district office leader in charge of Title I Early Childhood and K-12 Language Arts. In the past 17 years, she has lovingly served as a principal at three different buildings. In her current building, she works with a diverse and vibrant community of preschool through fifth grade students. 75% of the families live below the poverty line and 28 different languages are spoken. Many of her students are steeped in trauma whose basic needs are not met. And yet, Cherry Park Elementary students consistently outperform state averages. She holds a master's in special education and is a champion for building a culture for including all students and families. She believes that everything starts with a genuine relationship and connections and high expectations are at the core of her community's success. Social justice has always been central to Courtney Ferrua's passion for education as she began as a teacher's assistant at San Quentin State Prison in 1997. This experience evoked a lifelong dedication to strong educational experiences for all students, especially those who experience the obstacles of inequity. The relentless belief in every child's unlimited capacity to learn are words that guide the work she does in McMinnville School District, where she served as a, web, a principal at Washer Elementary School for six years and now serves as director of curriculum instruction and assessment at the district office. Washer Elementary was recognized as a model school for rapidly improving student outcomes in 2018 by the International Center for Leadership and Education. In 2019, Courtney was awarded Oregon Elementary Principal of the Year and was honored as a National Distinguished Principal. Before entering into administration, Courtney was a kindergarten and third grade teacher as well as an instructional coach. She lives in Oregon's wine country with her husband and two children. In this episode, we discuss how these ladies' paths found one another and their collaborative project to serve other leaders to navigate the school leadership learning curve. Each of these incredible leaders shares about her own path into school leadership, as well as a piece of their own learning curve, and we get to know more about their passion to serve their learning communities. 
am I glad that you joined us today, friends. These ladies are full of joy, inspiration, and guidance for us all. I can't wait to share them with you in this episode, and I encourage you to grab a copy of their book, Principled, Navigating the Leadership Learning Curve, so they can come alongside you on your own path. It is with deep joy that I share with you Dr. Rachel George, Kate Barker, and Courtney Ferrua of the Principled Cruise Pathfinder story. Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, ladies. I have three incredible lady leaders here with me on the show tonight. We're going to learn a ton from each of them. So welcome. Thank you for joining. We are excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yes. All right, ladies. Well, let's get the listeners comfortable with your voices. I'm going to start out just asking you if you could share a little bit about your current context, what you're up to in this beautiful world of ours. And let's hear from Rachel first. Hey, hey, hey. Um, I am Rachel George. I'm a pre-K to fifth grade elementary principal, uh, was a middle school principal before this. And, you know, as a teacher hopped around, started at high school, went down to elementary and middle and just love working with kids. Um, prior to going into education, worked in the forest service in fire. Um, and I wanted to make a bigger difference in the world. So, um, did not hang up my fire boots, but instead did both of those at the same time and finally called it good just a few days before I started my first principal job. So, um, just connected to some amazing leaders here in Oregon that, um, I'm excited to have with us today. So, uh, Kate, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Kate Barker, and I am the proud principal of Cherry Park Elementary, which is located in Portland, Oregon. We are a preschool through fifth grade class, about 500 students. And I have spent 30 years, my whole career in the same district. I've been a principal at two different, excuse me, three different buildings. And um, have just loved working my, with my incredibly diverse community. We have 28 different languages that are represented at our school, and we have about 70% of our families that live below, below the poverty line, um, but we have the most beautiful and vibrant community, the most amazing staff that really works hard and shows up for kids every day. And I'm Courtney Perua, and I am an administrator in McMinnville, Oregon. Um, so we kind of represent three different regions. Um, and I am currently working as the Director of Curriculum, Instruction, and Assessment. But before that, I was the principal at Washer Elementary um, for about six years. And um, just really um, passionate about the replication of success. And one of the things that Kate and Rachel and I um, connected on was that we all three had uh, were turning around schools that were experiencing high poverty and just lots of challenges. Um, and we really approached the work with both um, social emotional learning and, and high expectations for academic achievement. Um, at Washer, we called that rigor and joy. Um, and we just really feel strongly that kids deserve both that uh, sometimes in our field, there's a tendency towards like a pendulum swing. Um, but that, but the strongest leaders that we, we know and see are, are, are interfusing both of those. Beautiful. Well, ladies, I just have loved hearing a little bit more about your backstory. And it's really fun to hear you emphasize the different ways that you've come into the roles that you're in currently. And I also just need, I didn't prep you for this, but I'm kind of dying to know how the three of you came together. A, how you first got connected, and then B, how you ended up deciding to collaborate on a really big project that we're, of course, going to talk about. So 
um, I don't, whichever one of you wants to start off with that one. <laughs> um, I'll jump in and then I'll hand it off to one of you gals. Uh, so we met through our principal association. We all sat on our Oregon Elementary School Principal Association Board, um, and it's an umbrella association. And we're all from different parts of Oregon. And so it's interesting. You join these boards and you're hoping for connections and networking. And sometimes it's a great fit and sometimes it's not. And I have to say, we we were incredibly lucky to be able to connect um, and be able to build a really, really strong relationship through that forum. And it was through conversations, you know, after board meetings, after conferences, that we really decided, man, we have some fantastic ideas amongst the three of us and within our buildings that it really led to some powerful next step conversations. Kate, do you want to take it from there? Sure. So we're all avid readers and always growing. And what we really did not see in the marketplace was a book that really highlighted how difficult it is to be an educational leader and to share those really vulnerable stories of um, sometimes our jobs are really hard. And So we really talk about um, our epic fails and our embarrassing moments in the hope that people will really feel connected and that they're not alone. But in addition to sharing those stories, we also talk about how do have we figured it out? We all have high achieving schools with very, very diverse and communities um, that have many obstacles. And yet, uh, we we are exceeding those state standards, and we do it through those high high expectations and that beautiful loving culture. And so we just thought, all right, we've got the practical um, strategies, we have the stories, and we have the passion to help other educators. And so we sat down one day at Starbucks and started planning our book. Courtney has something. I know she does. She's always great at filling in those little spots. (laughs) You guys uh, did an awesome job. No, I would just say that, you know, when you're in a principal job, um, I probably met Kate and Rachel when I was in my third year. So, you know, being in a principal job, so often you feel like all of the jobs are yours and all of the answers and, you know, just that, that weight and intensity of, of the work. Um, and being able to like sit with these women in a hotel lobby and just say, oh my goodness, this is killing me. This is so hard. And, you know, one of the hardest parts about this job is that you're witness to others' humanity, right? And you see, um, you know, teachers battling cancer, you see, um, students living in, in really intense situations. And, and yet your job is to move the community forward with a sense of hope and, you know, outcomes and, and all of the things. Um, and so we wanted this book to be, um, that friend that you're sitting across with your favorite beverage and, you know, just being really authentically yourself. Um, and that, you have to, we, we write about caring for yourself um, in this too, because so often leaders don't and um, our, the burnout rate in our field is intense. And so um, we want to come alongside and, and help others find success too. 
It's a really beautiful mission, ladies. And thank you for indulging me, sharing how you got connected. And I love that you started to peel apart some of those pieces. And so the title of your book, now I never said it out loud. Do you pronounce it principled or principal ed? Let's hear that piece. Man, you got it right on the first try. Nice work. It's principled. (laughs) I love it. So principled, the educator survival guide, navigating the leadership learning curve. And when I think about that message and I think about what you ladies have already shared here for the listeners, I'm thinking there's no more perfect um, series to feature than Pathfinders because each one of you came into this role differently. Um, You've been in different spaces. You have helped one another in those different um, learning curves of your own. And I love that you've come together with this collective message. So let's talk a little bit about pathfinding and what that means. What's that meant for you? Rachel, you want to share a little bit about your experiences? Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) pathfinding tends to lend itself really well to the forest service. I have to say like, because I thought there were trails, (laughs) let me tell you. And there were no trails apparently when you fight fire and you make your own and you make your own fire line. And so I think that same the same message and philosophy really held true to education and just to my life in general that, you know, we each have a journey and a path that's so unique to us. And we often think we're the only one on it because we're unique. And sometimes we just forget to look up. And as we're hiking along those trails, you know, it's imperative that we do look up not only to just see the amazing scenery around us, but also to see the others. And that's the beauty with Kate and Courtney is that when I looked up, on my journey and my path. Those two gals were in the same spot at the same time. And so we've just had a blessed journey to be able to collaborate and team up together as we've conquered new heights and have tackled new obstacles. And it has just been an amazing journey. And it's been a unique one uh, with lots of triumphs and lots of challenges and incredible, incredible learning. So I think that our work that we've done individually and together just lends itself so nicely to pathfinding. Absolutely. Kate, what what would you like to say about that? Well, Rachel, you did a very beautiful and eloquent job describing our journey. Uh, I just, I think that when I think of pathways, I, I also think that there are so many different ways that you, people can reach the same goal and how important it is to blaze your own path. I think we so often get caught up uh, whether it's through watching social media or or looking at a different educational leader and thinking, I want to be like them. And while there's nothing wrong with that, it is so critically important to be yourself and to blaze your own pathway so that you are uniquely optimizing on your strengths and using those strengths and surrounding yourself with people that may have different strengths. I know that's been something that we have found within um, our author writing is that we all bring something a little bit different to the table. And thank goodness, I can't imagine writing uh, my first book with all by myself because we all have come from different paths. And like Rachel said, we did meet up and have traveled this experience together and we'll continue to travel the experience together. But I think that what's so important is that to honor how your unique strengths and abilities can get you to your goal. I would just add that, you know, in pathfinding that there is a lot of collective wisdom out there 
And, you know, as educators, we um, are sometimes inundated with educational research, um, which is, you know, brilliant to read in a book. But then when you go back to your building, it's like, how do I implement these things? And um, that was something that, um, that, you know, we really try to, to uh, give practical insights into how we blaze those trails and how we find the path through. And, you know, sometimes um, you can learn off of someone who's done it before. And then sometimes you're doing things like, you know, navigating a global pandemic where nobody's done it before. Um, but, you know, we um, that that sense of the only way past is through and leaning into the discomfort of the journey at times, um, because there's so much joy on the end, on the other side. You ladies are dropping so many different um, moments where I'm thinking, oh, I just wish I would have had this book myself in those first few years, thinking about that really, that tension point where you feel like, well, you're the person in charge, so you're supposed to have the answers, yet you feel so lonely and you just don't have the capacity to know everything. It's not possible. Um, and I just think what a gift you've given the world. One of the pieces too that I wanted to be able to circle back was when I heard, um, I think Courtney, you were saying that you're holding a lot of humanity uh, throughout the day and the challenges that that unless you've been, I sort of speak behind the desk, you, you don't know uh, how often principals are hit with uh, big hitter items and they have to process through, like you said, uh, staff with cancer, um, individuals in crisis, and then just move right to a staff meeting where they lead discussion on curriculum and assessment, right? Like, <laughs> it's just nuts when you think about how agile uh, <laughs> leaders have to be in that environment. And so I just appreciate that you're putting your hands out there and helping people navigate through this. Right, because the the natural instinct is to kind of com compartmentalize or, you know, stuff it down uh, and that's the only way you're going to get through the staff meeting after, you know, navigating something really traumatic. And, you know, if, if you don't pause to process and connect to your own humanity and, and grieve over sad things and, you know, be angry over things that are unjust, like we need that lifeline um, in our work. And it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of humanity. And uh, we need one another in order to do that well. And we talk, we talk about how all about the people in, in our book and navigating all of the different personalities and how I know personally, the people are my favorite thing about my job. They're the thing that gets me up out of bed. They're the things that keep me going on my darkest days. And, you know, I just truly love the students. I love my staff. I love my community and my and, and the partners and the and the fellow fellow educators in in my district, but the hardest part of my job are the people, and <laughs> and navigating navigating the personalities, and it it truly is an art form to be able to know uh, when to have those hard conversations and when to push and when to pull back, and constantly infusing your um, initiatives with with love and support and but you have to know yourself first in order to truly know and connect with others there's such wisdom in that and it's something that we've hit on the podcast a few times and something that 
I also truly believe in. And I'm so glad, Kate, that you said that your favorite part is also the most challenging. I was hoping that you were going to um, bookend that a little bit because for sure, you know, we're in a complex world with complex individuals all on complicated journeys, you know, and I really appreciate the fact that you said you got to know yourself that comes down to our emotional intelligence as leaders. I'm certain that you touched upon that in your text, having EQ, um, over IQ, or I don't know how you would have framed it, but that piece is just so important. Rachel, um, I'm curious if you'd be willing to share you, you in being a second career principal, um, what was, what was the biggest learning curve for you? I didn't prep you ladies for this question, but since your subtitle is so perfect, I know you got this. The secondary level and especially being a secondary administrator was really similar to firefighting. Right. Like not only were we putting out fires and trash cans and dealing with bomb threats, like you were just running and gunning. And that was really <laughs> similar to the hotshot crew and being gone for six months out of the year and only having two days off every 14 days and not taking showers. And so, and, and you could kind of communicate a, a little bit more directly. I would say I had more, um, of a shock and challenge when I went down to the elementary school as a, as a building leader, I had to really completely rethink how I communicated with individuals, how I cued into (laughs) just exactly what we were talking about, the emotional intelligence, right. And the, the nonverbal cues, the ways people um, were motivated and what worked best for them. I, I mean, like, I remember the first conversation I had with a parent where a kiddo was in trouble and the parent went bonkers on me and I just did it like I normally did at the middle school. And I remember looking back and reflecting on the feedback and I was like, wow, she was super mad at me. I don't understand. I was just doing my normal stuff. And it went on me like different group of people, different dynamics, different needs. And say that's really where my growth started. I think if you were to look back from, you know, 10 years ago in the first, first year as a principal and, and you compared me to where I am now, dramatically, dramatically different. There are so many bad habits that I've been able to refine, polish, um, still have a lot to go, a lot to go, but it's just that forward progress, always trying to improve and get better to help better serve students, staff, and families and communities for sure. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing the difference in the the dynamic of the, <laughs> the leadership levels too. Courtney, how about you? What do you think is your greatest learning curve when you're navigating your leadership? You know, there's been so many. <laughs> and I think that's what's, um, you know, great about this job is that you go in on any given Tuesday and you kind of think you know what's going to happen that day. And then it's it just totally shifts. Right. Um, <laughs> and um, but, you know, I think that um, that any time you have the opportunity to lead through a new initiative, that it's a good time to really spend time reflecting on um, what can I learn or what can I do differently to to make this even stronger? Um, You know, earlier on in my um, journey, it was like I, um, I was kind of book smart, but like, you know, I had needed to work on the practical aspects of the job. And so, you know, um, one of the things that they don't really teach you in principal school is how to change other adult behavior And it doesn't really matter that you know what, you know, like academically what to do. It's really, you know, in the attuning to the other adults in the building and and moving the ship in a way 
that still gets you to where you want to go, but brings other people along with you. Um, and I think that that is something that anytime you um, have a, a new group or a new position, um, it's it's learning that all over again, because it's really attuning to the needs of the others, not just yourself. That's so good. Thank you for giving that example. And I'm just smiling because we talk about change management, but there's a difference between talking about the theory and then actually putting that into practice. And I really appreciate that you place that out there because there is such a difference and it is so challenging, um, but important. It's so hard. Yeah, so hard. And, and no one really, uh, like the best training I ever went to was when I was an instructional coach. And it was on the Myers-Briggs personality inventory. And it was so insightful just, you know, into our own preferences and how we we tend to kind of put that on other people. Um, but really, you have to study other people and understand what their preferences are. And then you can kind of work to present the information in a way that it's received. And that has made all the difference. So true. <laughs> because, um, so I'm curious then, what are you? What are your four letters? I'm an ENFP. So close. I'm an ENFJ. So <laughs> for listeners, I love this because we think about introvert, extrovert. We don't really think about the other letters, but what you're saying is it's really about how we take in information and and that's huge when you're trying to lead change, right? Like if you have your people who want the small details, but you're just giving them the high level, <laughs> they're frustrated. And if you have the people who want the high level and you're trying to give them the small details, you're <laughs> getting stuck too. Oh, no joke. But my first or my second year, I started with kind of an um, Myers-Briggs thing. And almost 90% of my staff was completely opposite from me. And <laughs> I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Because I'm, you know, talking big picture and systems and like, they want to know how it's going to impact the kids and, you know, the details and the schedules And I'm like, okay, we can do this. So Oh, it's so good. But you're so right. We don't, I don't know. We just, we don't find time to do that in the day-to-day grind either. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Kate, how about you? Um, This beautiful career that you've had, what do you think is a place that you'd pinpoint for a learning curve that you could share? What I would, I would agree with Courtney is that I have learning curves on a, almost a daily basis, (laughs) but um, one that, that stands out to me is all around, uh, achievement. And I was, I was that principal uh, that was kind of like that puppy when it comes to school improvement, because when writing a school improvement plan, my, one of my first years as, as principal, we just all got together, the whole staff, and we wrote in everybody's ideas into this 50 page school improvement plan with such a lack of focus. And I had no clarity. I had, I did not have my why defined. I did not have a, a sense of direction. I just knew that I wanted to get higher test scores and have a happy community and uh, didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings about saying no to their idea. And as predictably so, I mean, we didn't do any of it. We didn't do any of it well. And so over the years, I've been a principal for 17, I've really learned the importance of first establishing your why and having that data to back it up and not just have your test scores, but really talk about um, 
you know, what are, what, what are your, what are your students feeling? What is your community telling you? So looking at all those different sources of input and then being really laser focused on two or three goals and really do them deeply and uh, with intention. And instead of just having this puppy dog notion that, sure, sure, I'll do that. That's shiny and new. Or, hey, hey, this looks like a good idea. But really to in, really to ground it in your why and think about your decision making that it's so much easier to make decisions when they are connected to your why. Really great insight, Kate. Thank you so much for that. And highly relatable. And I love that what you said about, uh, you know, it's taking you time, but to dig deep into that. And I really appreciate that you said it's not just about test scores. Um, And, you know, figuring out how to gather that information is obviously so critical and unique to the communities. And I was thinking how proud I was of you ladies, that none of you chose to say uh, your biggest learning curve was principling during the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that was a collective decision to just not talk about it because it's nice to step away. But man, that one's a big one too. And I was thinking about, well, if you're putting everything in your test scores, that one's going to be really, really hard right now if you're not taking all kinds of other information in, right? Do you want to say anything about the particular circumstances that you're leading in right now? So if I have listeners who have no clue (laughs) what it's like to lead in schools, just want to give any insight. Well, in our our school district, we've been 100% virtual learning. We are anticipated to start going back in person in uh, beginning of April. So it has been a definite journey. But at the and I'll admit I struggled because after being a principal for so long, I have things pretty well figured out. And to have that disruption, I really had to dig deep as far as changing my mindset. And again, like I mentioned, it, it having to redefine the why. Um, and the why was how are we connecting and engaging our students and families? And that was our major purpose is how are we getting them to connect? How are we connecting with other humans, but also connecting uh, virtual formats? And how are we how are we engaging them and making sure that they were safe? And if we wrapped all of our systems and structures around that and having the faith that the academics would come. If we just focused on that connection piece, academics would come. And they have. And we have great engagement. We have 94% attendance. um, And kids are learning and doing well. They're actually thriving. And if you would have said a year ago, all that we've been through in the last 10 months, I wouldn't have believed it. But um, it just goes to show you that you can teach old dogs new tricks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sticking with the dog analogy. I love that. What a perfect bow tie there. Uh, Rachel or Courtney, would you like to speak to this at all? Sure. I actually um, I found a lot of blessings and a lot of 
incredible positive things during this time, you know, being able to really kind of take my eye off of, you know, not having to look at the test scores and not having to take that state assessment at the end of the year really allowed like an entire release of pressure to just come off of us and teachers and really created an opportunity to look at how are we engaging with multimedia? How are we connecting with our families? How are we building those relationships even at a deeper level? And it made me rethink a lot of the different practices and traditions we had within the building. And on top of that, it while time allocation looked very, very different, it actually created an open space within my day that I was actually able to finally get into and dig in to projects and areas in my life, personally and professionally, that I had been completely neglecting. My nutrition, fine-tuning some of my exercise, my quiet meditation, but also in that really holistic approach to the building. And had a lot of growth. I was given some great advice at the beginning of the pandemic, and it's just something that has stayed with me. It was, you're either going to come out this worse, you're going to come out it ahead, or you're going to stay the same. And you know, the chances of you staying the same for a long period of time are, are really pretty minimal. So you're either going to go forward or backwards. And I made the conscious decision that whatever, whatever I have to do, I'm going to come out ahead. It might be a small amount ahead, but I'm going to work and use this time to really improve my craft personally and professionally. So I've just continued to look for a lot of, you know, positive silver linings and, and there've been a lot, but you have to really switch your mindset and also be really open and, um, open-minded and flexible to be able to see those at times. I would just add that I, um, I took on the director of curriculum role maybe six months before the pandemic hit. It was a terrible time to take that job, by the way. Um, <laughs> but reimagining, you know, how we do everything, um, you know, in our district with teaching and learning was a huge undertaking. And um, it was really important for us that we continued to focus on standards and learning and we, you know, took our pacing calendars and we prioritized even more. And I think the hardest part for me is that I love taking research and putting it into practice, right? Um, and there is zero research on this. And like <laughs> knowing whether we were doing the right thing or the wrong thing um, at any given time just felt super unsettling. And I also, you know, I'm um, a planner. So like living in just constant ambiguity was really hard. And I think, you know, to, to Rachel's point, um, I learned about in October, like, man, I'm going to have to pace myself because, you know, we're running this like it's a sprint and it's really a marathon. We have no idea when this is coming, you know, to a close. Um, and, you know, so Innovation, like blind innovation is really hard and, uh, you know, doing the best you can and just not being able to make everyone happy, I think is just another theme that, um, that at some point, you know, it was about, we're going to do the best we can and keep going. And we're going to have to take care of our, ourselves and each other along this way. Each one of you ladies just gave really good, um, not only insight, but just hope too. <laughs> and I'm glad. Thank you. Because I think we all just need another dose right now of that optimism 
coming through into the second part of the year. And I know my listeners are all in different parts of the country, different experiences. We are, my husband's teaching full face-to-face and has been since the beginning of the year. It's just a very different experience all across our country, really. Um, So a lot of different challenges to navigate. And it's been exciting though, to see everybody dig in and make the changes needed. But I really appreciate you ladies sharing your vulnerable truths about that. Okay. So we have come to the end of our interview. My ladies, it goes by so fast, especially with three brilliant people on here. So I'm just going to actually ask you one of those two two standard questions that I have. Are you ready for those? Mm Mm-hmm. Rock on. Okay. So the question is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? We're going to go ahead and start with Rachel. Mine would be listen to your mom. (laughs) My mom (laughs) preached all the time that it's your motivation and your drive. Like you don't have to be talented or as talented as the person next to you or naturally gifted. It all comes down to what are you going to hustle for? What's your determination? And how are you going to have that growth mindset? And I thought she was crazy at the time because it did not make sense. But you know what? 20 years later, it makes total sense. So listen to your mom. Smart advice. I love that one. (laughs) How about you, Kate? What would you say? I would say absolutely. You can have high achievement and infuse your love, your, uh, your culture with love and, and fun. And you don't have to choose one or the other. And it's all about being connected to your staff and your students and because those foundations are necessary for springboarding into the academics. And just the more that people feel connected and a part of something bigger, um, the more your systems will flourish. So there is so much power in knowing, knowing your people, knowing um, their stories, knowing how to support and intervene. Uh, because when you know you're able to thrive. Beautiful. And I love that uh, message of balance with all of the pieces there. Courtney, how about you? What would you say? Well, I would um, say to myself, remember that in all things good and all things bad, this too shall pass. And, you know, that it's, it's about savoring the moments that you're in. Um, it's about uh, knowing that you'll get through. Um, we've survived all of our hard days so far. So, um, you know, that um, that presence and, and just um, not focusing on getting to the next thing as fast as possible, but really kind of being centered in what you want and surrounding yourself with the things that make you um, passionate and happy and, um, and fulfilled. It's a very calming message for us to hear. I always love when um, guests share their response to that because there's such a universal message that can come through. And I know that my listeners uh, needed to hear at least one of those, if not all three, and that's beautiful. So thank you very much. Ladies, I have just enjoyed this interview by way too fast, but we got to get some logistics out of the way because I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with each of you if they haven't already. So could you just go through, I will be sure to link this in the show notes, but sometimes listeners just like to hear out loud your um, Twitter handles. Could you do that for me, starting with Rachel? Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Rachel George. Kate's is at Kate 
underscore S as in Susan underscore Barker. I'm at Courtney Farua, but it's Courtney with a K and Farua is F-E-R-R-U-A. That's awesome. And I will link them in the show notes as well. Can you let the listeners know where they can get a hold of your amazing book? You are more than welcome and invited to find it on Amazon. You can also buy it through DBC, Dave Burgess Consulting, um, or reach out to us on one of our social media accounts and the three of us will connect you with a signed copy. So lots of different ways to, to get hooked up. That's awesome. I know the listeners are going to really want to get a hold of that. I know I want to get a hold of that. I'm excited that you ladies came together, that you were able to meet and that you not only just met, but that you would create this beautiful message for the rest of us to gain from. So thank you for doing that in service. And I just really appreciate you. Thank you ladies for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thanks so much, Sarah. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.